Aren't you just thankful for the worship team? Thankful for people who, week in, week out, a lot goes on behind the scenes. And, but I don't just mean preparing musically, preparing spiritually. And uh, that's what I love. I know these people who are praying, who are believing, um, who just want to bring the best of who they are to, to God and to us as they lead us. Um, in worship. So we're going to um, just dive straight into God's Word and we're going to continue where we left off in a sense last week. Um, but if you were here last week as we were talking uh, and just spending time in worship, we started talking about the presence of God. And we were talking, if you remember, about the difference between these two words, the omnipresence of God and the manifest presence of God. And maybe uh, those are words that you know very well. Maybe those are words that you only heard of for the first time last week or the first time this week. And so let me just kind of unpack that again this morning because I really want us to be in a place where we are experiencing God's presence more and more on a daily basis. So when we talk about the omnipresence of God, what we mean is this, that God is everywhere. But you've heard that Many times before, no doubt, even growing up, even if you weren't in a Christian home, maybe you heard about the omnipresence of God in RE lessons or whatever it might have been. This thought that God is everywhere all at the same time. But there is nowhere where he isn't. Remember the psalmist said in Psalm 139, where can I go to flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you are there. If I go to the depths, you are there. Basically everywhere that I go, God's presence is here. And that shouldn't be something that fills us with fear and dread. That should be something that gives us confidence and hope. Because the Bible says never will he leave you, never will he forsake you. That whether we feel him or not, he is always with us. That's the omnipresence of God. God is everywhere. But then we began to open up this thought of a manifest presence of God. And what we mean by that is not just God is everywhere, but God is here. That you may have experienced moments where you've known the omnipresence of God, you know God is everywhere, but there's a tangible experience, a unique experience of God's presence that changes you. Remember we looked at two examples just recapping in the Old Testament last week in Exodus chapter 3 that Moses had known the omnipresence of God. But there was a moment in, in the storyline where we read that he sees, he's tending the sheep and he sees this burning bush, this bush that is on fire but isn't actually physically burning up. And he goes before it and in that moment he experiences God's manifest presence. And God says, this is what I want for your life. This is the, the purpose that I have for your days, the manifest presence of God. We looked at Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. Remember this, that in the fiery furnace, God was with them. And God had always been with them, but they experienced God is here as he rescued them from trouble in that moment. So the thought of God is not just here, but God is present in that moment, manifested. It doesn't mean that God's just arrived. It doesn't mean that God's just walked into the room and he wasn't there before. It doesn't mean that there's a part of a world that he hadn't experienced before and now he stepped into it. It just takes God from being a distant being to being a personal God. A personal father, a comforter, a friend that you experience for yourself. So today, I want to look at some insights that I pray are going to help us to experience more and more of God's manifest presence. But before we get there, let's answer the question, why? Why should we want to experience more of God's manifest presence? Because if you listen to me for any amount of time, you know I often talk about the why behind the what. Many people have spoken about this, but... If we don't understand the why of something, all we're left with is the what. That's why, 
You know, you see people when they talk about exercise and diet changes and stuff like that, they have before and after photos, don't they? And they have people saying, you know, this is how I felt before, this is how I feel now. So much more energy, I'm able to do this and able to do that and concentrate on different things. Why? Because they want you to know the why so that you'll engage with the what. Because if people just present you with a what, here's what you're going to do, you're going to eat salads instead of chips, not many people would automatically go for that unless they understand the why. Here's what you're going to do, you're going to get up early in the morning, um, in winter, and go for a jog instead of curling up under your duvet. If you're just presented with a what, without understanding why this can make a difference to your life, then you're just going to either not do it or just go through the motions. Listen, when it comes to the things of the spirit, if we don't understand the why, all we're left with is religious legalism. Doing things for the sake of it. Doing church just because that's what we've always known and grown up with. And it's lifeless, but when we understand why, it carries greater purpose and a greater meaning. So this morning we could launch straight in. You need to seek God's presence more. You need to have God's presence. But unless we understand the why, we won't desire the what. So let's look at... Why? Let's just pause for a moment. I'm going to allow God's word to answer this for itself. Now, there's loads of reasons that we could look at. Let me just pick out a few this morning. And one of those would be joy. Joy. Not momentary happiness, not things that come and go depending on how life is, but true joy that cannot be diluted, cannot be changed, cannot be affected by outside circumstances. Psalm 16:11 David writes, "In your presence is fullness of joy." Now that word fullness is the Hebrew word sova, which means this carries this meaning of being satisfied abundantly. And actually, when you look into it, it's often related to food in that context. So you may have had this experience, you all know that experience, of being abundantly satisfied with a meal. Maybe you've gone out, or maybe you've cooked at a home, and you sit there, and you probably don't use this language, but effectively what you're saying is, I am sober. You can, you can do that at a restaurant and impress some people. I am sober. Maybe it's a roast dinner. We had a roast yesterday, and I sat on a sofa, and I said, oh. I am sober. And Kirsty looked at me and went, what on earth are you talking about? Now you know. I am sober. Maybe it's not a ro- Maybe it's Nando's. Maybe it's something completely different. Maybe um, it's, I don't know, a, a meat pie, a steak, a curry. That feeling, oh, I'm so, I am abundantly satisfied. Not that you'd use that language, but you know the meaning. You know the feeling. David is saying, if you want to be abundantly satisfied in life, not just go through the motions, Not just be happy one moment, but down the next, because some of us happened in the workplace or some of us happened in your family. If you want to be abundantly satisfied in life, it's in God's presence that you will experience that joy. Listen, so many people, including maybe you listening to me today, could do with experience so much more joy. And we need to understand, as we've said many times before, joy, true joy is not going to be found in your social media account or in retiring or in that car or in that possession or in that experience. Listen, that may bring you happiness, but true joy that cannot be taken away from you is found in God's presence. In God's presence, in experiencing that God is here, is fullness of joy. Here's something else. Rest. Rest. Some of you 
maybe you're crying out for rest and you enjoyed the lockdown for a season because it meant you stopped and now it's like that never happened and you went away on holiday and you came back just like that holiday never happened because you are craving rest. Jesus offered this invitation in Matthew 11:28. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Now here's the reality. That word rest isn't just speaking about time off. That word rest is talking about a spiritual refreshing. What is it that David said in Psalm 23? The Lord who is my shepherd, he restores my soul. Do you know that true refreshment in your life is not going to be found this summer on a beach somewhere with the sun shining? Again, that may mean that you feel a little bit rested in your body for a week. But we need to understand this, that if you went into that holiday with problems, you'll come out of that holiday with those problems still there. Maybe just more with a bit of a suntan. But that's the reality. That, that's not found. Rest isn't going to be found. Now, I'm not speaking against holidays or anything, but I'm saying rest isn't going to be found in that location if there's something in your soul that is amiss. But you may put your feet up for a moment. You may have some time off work, and that's all important and well and good. But true restoration is found in God's presence. Rest, satisfaction, true refreshment isn't found in a, I don't know, an ice cold beer or a Diet Coke on a Friday night after a busy week at work. It's not found in that true restoration of a soul. Restoration and satisfaction is only found in God's presence. So we have joy. We have rest. We have peace. But just as with joy, just as with rest, so many people are craving this sense of peace. And it's, it's very topical. We live in a generation that has so many movements and so many fads that have been begun by this craving and this desire to experience more peace. Listen again, true peace can only be found in the source of peace. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said in 2 Thessalonians 3. He's ending his letter to the church and he says this in verse 16. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with you all. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace. Notice he doesn't say that peace is going to come from a song with some lyrics that you like. That may be all well and good, but that isn't where you're going to find true abundant peace. It's not going to be found in a new stretching routine. It's not, certainly not going to be found in a book that teaches you how to put your furniture in your lounge that will give you more peace. You can try that, but the peace will go the minute somebody comes in and moves that piece of furniture. True, lasting peace that cannot come or go based on stuff that is around you only comes from the source. It comes from God himself. And how does he do that? By you experiencing his presence. There's so many more things we could look at. But that's a pretty good start, that true joy, true rest, true peace is found in God's presence. Who doesn't need more rest in life? Who doesn't need more joy? Who doesn't need more peace? Who doesn't need all the other things that we could look at this morning that God provides in his presence? So the next question is this. How then can we experience God's uh, God's presence in a greater way? How can we experience God's presence in a greater way because maybe you look at others sometimes and you just think oh they're just so close to God and this is this 
this thing that we build up in our mind and the reality is they're probably looking at you going, oh, they're just so close to God. And we play this comparison game where sometimes you look and you think, if only I could experience God's presence like they seem to. If only I was as close to God as they are. If only I knew God like they do. And the reality is God has no favorites. There's no difference between you and them. The only difference that maybe has taken place is they've gone from a place of saying, I'm just going to do religious routine where I come to church for two hours on a Sunday morning and hope that that solves everything. And I'm going to go to a place where I build a real relationship. I'm moving away from just religious activity and dotting the I's, crossing the T's, doing all that I think I need to do, to actually have a personal one-on-one relationship with God where they get to know Him and experience Him in all of His fullness. How can we experience God's presence in a greater way? Now again, there's many things that we could look at and maybe we'll look at others in future weeks. But let me just, in the time that we have, just share three things and this isn't, you know, free keys to God's prayer. It's not about that. It's about free things that we can do that Scripture teaches us can actually position us where we experience more of God's presence. Desire, time, and openness. Because we need to understand that there are no shortcuts to really understanding God and having intimacy with God. There's not a, a five-minute thing that you go on. Desire, time, and openness. Let's begin with Desire. You won't experience the fullness of God without first desiring God. And the truth is, in life, we have so many things that we can desire, right? So many things that we can put first. So many things that we can give priority to. So many distractions that try and grab our attention on a daily, on a daily basis. So many things that say, me, me, here, over here, over here. This is what you need. This is what you desire. So many things that we can put first. But the reality is it's only when we put God first, it's only when he is our greatest desire, that life truly makes sense. Psalm 73, verse 25. The psalmist said this, Whom whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. What a great statement. I desire you more than anything on earth. Now, if truth be told... I think it would be fair to say that not all of us have always made that statement, or maybe we have, but it hasn't been a truthful statement in our life. But sometimes we've desired other things above God. Sometimes our priorities have shown that. Sometimes, just if we were honest, we'd say, actually, I love God, but this is what I desired more. I I wanted this more in my life than I wanted God. But the problem is, it's when we live that way that God feels distant. And he hasn't moved an inch. But we've started to desire other things above him. It's when we live that way that we're void of this peace and this hope and this joy and this abundant life that he has on offer for us. Because we're trying to find satisfaction in all the wrong places. Listen to Hebrews 11 verse 6. I want to read this from the Amplified. You're still with me this morning. 11 verse 6. Without faith, it is impossible to walk with God and please him. For whoever comes near to God must necessarily believe that God exists, and listen to this, and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. God rewards those who diligently seek him. Now, now you may hear that and think, well, is God playing hide and seek? Is he playing hard to get? No, no, no. Again, God has no favorites, but clearly he rewards those who seek him. You may think that doesn't sound fair. That doesn't sound like 
the God that I've been told exists because I thought that God gave out gifts that were unmerited. I thought that salvation was free. And yes, you'd be absolutely right. Salvation is a gift from God. There's nothing that we can do to earn our salvation. His grace is unmerited, unearned goodness and favor upon our lives. There's nothing that you can do to make God love you more. There's nothing that you can do to make God love you less. But clearly, when it comes to experiencing more of God's presence and knowing him in a greater way, the Bible does teach over and over again that greater desire leads to greater revelation and greater relationship. That all of these gifts are free. Salvation is free. Grace is unmerited. But if we want to know him more, there is something that's placed upon us that God rewards those who diligently seek after him. Jeremiah 29, 13. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. So he doesn't say when you're half-hearted, you'll, you'll be all right. Or just when you feel like it, you, you'll find me. And, and so we live this way where we think, oh, God will just, he'll just be an afterthought in our life. And then we wonder why we're not living the abundant life that he has for us to experience. So when it comes to experiencing more of God's presence, it begins with desire. That's why the Apostle Paul often said different things. And he said this in Philippians 3 verse 10. He says, I want to know Christ. There's many other things that he could do with his time. But he says, I want to know Christ. Christ. I don't just want to know about him. I don't want to just hear people teach on him. I don't just want to read people's books about how they've experienced him or his revelation. I want to know him myself. I want to know him personally. I want to know him in my life. And that takes desire. So here's a question. When it comes to our level of desire, where does God fit in that list? And that's not a question that we're asking today legalistically or you must, you must, because it's a desire-based thing. But clearly the Bible teaches that there's so much more for us to experience of God, but it begins with desire. God rewards those who diligently seek him. It begins with desire. Here's another aspect, time. Time. But if we want to experience God's presence in a greater way, we need to give time to our relationship with God, time to pray, time to the word, time to worship, time to be in his presence. Unless, of course, you're greater than Jesus, he says with his tongue firmly in his cheek. Because if Jesus needed to do these things, then surely so do we. Listen to these verses, a whole bunch of verses. Matthew 14, 23. After Jesus had dismissed the crowds, he went up on, his, uh, up on the mountain by himself to pray. When it was evening, he was there alone. Luke 6, verse 12. One day soon afterwards, Jesus went up to the mountain to pray, and he prayed to God all night. Sometimes you've looked at that and thought, is that a typo? No, it says all night he prayed to God. Mark 1, 35, very early in the morning. Some of you really think that's a typo, but it's there. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Luke 5, 16, but Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray in seclusion. Jesus gave time 
in amongst, in amongst all the ministry that he did, in amongst all the demands for his time, in amongst all these people saying, well, what about this, what about that, in amongst his raising up of his disciples, he was doing all of this, he was a busy person, busier than any of us could ever be in those three years of ministry, and yet he gave time to experience the presence of God. He took time to pull away from the noise and the frenzy of society to be alone with his father, and sometimes it was in the morning. And sometimes it was at night. And sometimes it was in the middle of the day. When you read through the Gospels, he's in the midst of ministry, something's going on, and he just pulls away. It could be at any moment of any given day because he understood his need for the Father. If Jesus needed to do this, then surely so do we. Knowing God personally takes time. Time to pray, time to read God's word, time to worship, time to listen. And again, listen to me, none of this is about legalism. None of this is about religious activity for the sake of it. God will still love you just as much if you don't do any of this. His love isn't dependent upon what you do. We understand that, right? God will not love you any less if you don't make time for him to pray and spend time with him. But we will experience more of his presence, more of his joy, more of his fullness, more of his peace if we take the time to draw close to him. It's about what we want to experience from him. But here's the real issue that so often in modern day Christianity, we want to play microwave Christianity. Just like everything else in life, we want it now, we want it instantly, and that's how we play it when it comes to God. We, we, we play microwave Christianity. I'll read one verse, I'll, I'll come to church every now and then, just for, to, and, and we think that that alone will transform our life. Often we want the results of knowing God without doing the journey of experiencing and building relationship with God. And we've become very good at rationalizing it. I'm busy. I'm busy. You talk to somebody, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm busy. It's like the stock answer that we go, hey, yeah, yeah, it's really busy at the moment. I'm busy with the kids, I'm busy with work, I'm busy with the garden, I'm busy with this, I'm busy with that, I'm busy. But the truth is, and I speak to myself as much as anybody in this room this morning, that we make time for what we want to make time for. But we can carve out time. It's amazing how good we are, we're, we're busy, but you offer me something that I really want to do. I'll make the time. I offer you something you really want to be at or do. You'll make the time. You'll find the time. We will find the time for what we want to find the time for. If somebody was to say to you, how are you doing? Oh, I'm really busy. I've got a really busy weekend. Oh, that's a shame. I, I thought we could meet up. I was hoping to write you a check for a million pounds. If you can come to Cross the Coffee at 3 o'clock on Wednesday. I'm there. Right? We make time. We carve out time for what we truly desire. Again, not from a legalistic standpoint but from a desire standpoint. Okay, let's get practical for a moment. Otherwise, this just remains spiritual or it feels heavy or it feels dogmatic. But, but let's look at this because great intentions don't change anything. Actions do. So here's a, here's a question for you. What do you need to change around? What do you maybe need to cut out? And it may be something really simplistic. I'm not talking about life change that's unsustainable or life change that's unrealistic. I'm not saying quit your job, drop your ministry, certainly not saying ignore your spouse and kids. That will not go down well. Don't do those things. But what time can you carve out? It may be watching 30 minutes less TV of an evening. <gasps> You'll be okay. It may be 
getting up 20 minutes earlier in the day. <gasps> Even deeper breath for some of you. It may be just getting up slightly earlier. It may be reading the Word of God instead of reading a novel. These small changes, because sometimes, again, the enemy, I think, is really good at making it seem insurmountable, making it seem like it's impossible. I really am too busy to grow in my knowledge of God. These small changes that you can make, what one thing can you change? What one thing can you take out? What one thing can you put in place? Just one thing, and you watch, that one thing will turn into another thing, will turn into another, because you'll desire more and more of God's goodness. But sometimes we can have great intentions. What's one thing that you can change? One thing, one action that you can take in order to create more space for God? If we want his presence, if we want his joy, his fulfillment, his peace, his wholeness, his life, it takes desire, it takes time, and then it takes openness. You see, you can desire more of God, and you can even make time for God, but if you're not real before God, then so often it's pointless. Because God knows who we are. I love, I love these words that David shared, Psalm 139, 23 to 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you, and lead me along the path of everlasting life. What a great prayer to pray. Let, let's just break that down just for a moment. David says this, God, search me. Know my heart. See, when we make time for God, there's no point trying to be somebody that we're not. God knows you. God knows you better than you know yourself. There's no point trying to pretend that you've got it all together. You're not impressing anyone. It's God. He knows what is going on in your life. And here he is, David, saying, I, I trust you. Search me. Know me. The message paraphrase of Matthew 6, 6 says this, don't role play before God. Sometimes we've all been guilty of it. We role play before God. We say, oh, okay, I've got this covered, or, or God, I've been busy, and he's trying to, okay, really? Uh, I've been doing this. We role play before God, uh, and we don't just say, okay, God, you know me. Search me. Know me. Know my heart. Do you know that it's okay to be real before God? He can handle your fits. He can handle your worries. He can handle your anger. He can handle your tears. He can handle anything that is going on in your life. He knows you. Let's not waste time role-playing before God. David then says this. He says, test me and know my anxious thoughts. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. In other words, I'm not going to dwell on this. I'm not going to carry this weight and this responsibility that isn't mine to carry. It isn't mine to handle. It's too big for me to handle. I'm going to hand this over to you. And you know what happens when you do that? You experience his presence and you experience his peace. Philippians 4, final verse. Well, I want us to look at this morning. Philippians 4, 6 to 7, just as we close. It says this. Do not be anxious about anything. Many of you know these verses so well. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation... By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What an amazing God. But we can bring before him all that is bothering us, all that is upon us, all that is weighing us down. And we can give it to him and in exchange, he will give you his peace. He will give you his presence. 
Again, if we're not being real before God, if we come in and we know that there's this offense or this grief or this anger or whatever it might be that's upon us, God will not force you to hand over anything. And we can have desire, we can make time for God, but we can be in God's presence in worship or in prayer and we leave that place. If you view it as a place, I know it's not, but if you walk into a room with God and you're in God's presence, if you don't hand that thing over, you walk out of that room still carrying that heaviness, still carrying that burden, still carrying that crushing, whatever it might be. Or we have a choice to say, God, search me, test me. Know my anxious thoughts. And then David ends this way. He says, point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. If we want to experience more of God's presence, which will lead to joy and all the things that we looked at, this is such an important prayer to pray. God, point out anything in me that needs changing. God, point out anything in me that's not of you. And do you know what? And I'm saying this from experience. When you pray this prayer and you say it with an open and honest heart, the Holy Spirit will point things out. And sometimes there'll be things that you go, yeah, all right, I've been trying to hang on to it. And you knew it. You went into prayer. You knew you were offended with that neighbor. You knew you were angry with that boss. You knew it, but you're holding on to it and, and instantly. But other times, if you pray this prayer honestly, Father, if there's anything in me that's not right, if there's anything in me that I need to hand over to you, if the Holy Spirit will begin to reveal things to you, not to condemn, because he doesn't condemn, but to convict you to a place where he says, do you know what, this is not who you are. It's maybe who you used to be, but you're now a new creation in Christ. This isn't who you are anymore. You don't need to live this way. He'll begin to point stuff out within you in order to change you. And in his grace, he says, that's not who you are. That jealousy, it will cost you. Let go of it. That jealousy is going to cost you. That anger, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take you somewhere you don't want to go. That offense, it's going to harm you. That lust is going to lead you to places you really don't want to be. That pride it's not going to end well and the Holy Spirit begins to in his grace point out things in your life that are stopping you from experiencing the fullness of God that are stopping you from really experiencing that joy that peace that fulfillment that purpose all of the things that we find in God's presence he won't condemn you he won't leave you feeling battered and bruised he'll leave you in a place where you say God I hand this over to you Listen, if there's something physical in your life that you know you're, you're unwell, if you don't, you know, you, you know you need require an operation and there's a surgeon that's there that could help you. But you say, I'm not, not letting that surgeon anywhere near me. He or she can't perform something within you that could bring you to a place of healing and wholeness. Spiritually, if we go before God and we don't allow the great surgeon to administer healing to us, we say, God, I'm going to go in your presence. I've made time and I've got desire, but we don't allow him anywhere. Near. Don't touch that part of my life, God. Any other part, but don't touch that area of my life. Holy Spirit, don't go there. Don't go on that relationship. Don't go on that past hurt. Don't go on that unforgiveness. Don't go on that anger. And we allow him access to so many areas of our life, but we say, not there. There's a door with a padlock on it and only you know the combination. The reality is God knows the combination, but you're stopping him. You're preventing him from coming in. And you're stopping that healing from taking place. 
in your life. It's when we're honest and real before him that he can do his greatest work. If we want more peace, more joy, more rest, more purpose, if we want to experience true freedom, it's all found in God's presence. And God rewards those who diligently seek him. You will find him when you seek him with all of your heart. For some of you today, it's about creating desire. You've gone through the motions, you've come to church week in, week out. You've grown up in church, whatever it might be, and there's something within you that isn't satisfied. You know that you've heard of God, but you just want more. Listen, if you give God that desire, he will do incredible things with it. If you just say, I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. I'm here and I want to know him greater. It may just be small steps. That's okay. You're heading in the right direction. For other people, it's a sense of time that we seem to have time for everything else that we want to give time to. And you need to just make that one change. Again, we're not talking about things that are unsustainable or unrealistic. That one thing that you can change, that one thing that you can cut out to carve out time for God and you will not regret it. But for many in this place, it may be that being real before God. Saying, God, I allow you access into my life. Point out anything in me that offends you. Point out anything in me that needs healing. Point out those areas that I'm holding you back on because I want to truly experience your presence. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. Father, I thank you of your promise that you said that your word will never return void. So Lord, I pray that you take these words that have been shared today and Holy Spirit, you begin to administer healing in people's lives. Lord, for some of us that we would just desire you more, for some of us that we would make time, but Lord, for that third part, that there would be some people in this place that you would begin to just administer your healing touch. That you would point out anything within us that we're preventing you from being close to, that we're saying, no, God, you can't access this area, whatever it might be. Holy Spirit, we pray right now that you bring freedom, that you bring healing, that you point out anything within us that needs your touch. Lord, over relationships, over grieving, over anger and over unforgiveness, Lord, may we guard our heart, knowing that when we have a healthy heart, we have a healthy life. So, Father, I just pray healing, healing, healing upon people spiritually today, as well as physically, but spiritually today. We pray for wholeness and healing. Father, in your presence is fullness, abundantly satisfied. In your presence is fullness of joy.